Good afternoon. You're listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now. And I am Anna Gammons. I will be hosting the show. And this is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans express ourselves through time. Now, I am so excited. I know I get excited every week, but I am very, very excited for this guest this week because I know Will Rochford. He is an incredibly talented figurative oil painter. And I thought it was a nice combination of art then and now because Will paints these really amazing sort of um, scenes uh, from the 1960s and his work is just absolutely amazing. You won't believe that somebody has painted something uh, so detailed in such kind of with such accuracy while still maintaining that really sort of uh, painterly aspect as well. I always encourage you to look at an artist's work before I speak to them as it gives some really nice context but please please do look at his work. Um, If not just to be like someone did that because it is amazing. (laughs) Right I'm going to stop fangirling now. Um, Will is incredibly humble as well which you'll notice uh, which is one of the reasons he was just such a pleasure to chat to. So here is Will Rochford. Enjoy our interview. I am here with Will Rochford, who is an oil painter. Hi, Will. How are you? He's an I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for being here. So for the listeners, can you give yeah. them a description of the kind of works, the oil works that you do? Because they're just phenomenal. I'm the biggest fan. of. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a difficult question. But that, yeah, I do. It's, it's oil paintings um, of all different sizes. I, I paint small paintings all the way up to really, really big paintings. People always focus on my pictures um, and they're always, I always pose my friends and family in my paintings. You know, I've always got people that I know. In the past, I've, I've described my paintings as kind of snapshots of moments in time that I try and capture. Mm-hmm. And, but my paintings are entirely staged. You know, they're entirely created. They're entirely um, uh, designed by me and every element of it. You know, nothing, nothing in it is random. I've sort of got control over the whole thing, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And, and we are going to talk a lot more about the kind of the intricacy and the detail and the style of Will's work. And that is a whole other thing we're absolutely going to pick apart. Um, but I suppose I like to start with asking artists how they became artists, just because it's such an incredible profession. It's amazing that you get to do it for a living. So yeah. you always want to be an artist? I guess that's the first question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've always, uh, I've always been creative. You know, I always say this is the only thing I'm, I've ever been good at. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else, even, even if I wanted to. Um, but I've always been creative. I've always drawn. I've always, uh, it's always been comic books that I loved. I always made models when I was little. I'd spent too many hours making models out of cardboard in my room, you know, things like that. Uh, and then slowly it kind of got funneled into drawing the figure and drawing faces and then painting came after that. Uh, so yeah, it's always, I've always known I wanted to do something creative, but actually being an artist, it was something that came a bit later. I went to Kingston University and I studied illustration and then, and then fine art because at the beginning, no, at the end of the first year of illustration, they said to us, right, you have, you have eight weeks to do a project, a final project. And everybody on the course, they went off and they did amazing illustration and animation projects. But then I decided, I said, I want to try and do a painting. I want to try oil painting. Because I dabbled in painting before that, but really I hadn't tried oils properly. So everyone worked from home and I had, I had the whole, uh, this huge studio at university to myself, this huge room. I was just tucked away in one corner 
And I spent the whole eight weeks working on this one painting, this one oil painting, sort of, it was like a, it was like a sanctuary. And I went in every day and I just worked on every detail. <clears throat> and uh, then I loved it and I fell in love with the process. And then at the end of the, the eight weeks, my lecturer said to me, so what are you gonna do with the painting? And I, I, I said, I don't know. And she said, well, you should try and sell it. And it was such an alien concept. You know, it was such like a, really? Because I'd sold a few little bits here and there. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd sold, it, sold a few little paintings that, you know, here and there. But to, that, the actual, to try and sell something this big that I'd spend that long over, I thought, I have no idea. But then that summer I did sell the painting. And it was almost like, a, it was like, oh, well, that was quite good. Okay, I could maybe maybe I could try and do that again and maybe I could try and make a thing of this. So then I changed to fine art and then finished the degree. And then I came home from university and I got a, I live in Lymington in the new forest on the South coast. And I got a part-time job at the local hospital just a couple of days a week that sort of, I kept on the side whilst I was keeping my painting going. And then I just kept slowly building and building. I was painting small pictures and I got myself in some local galleries and then just slowly bit by bit built my way up into better galleries found my style a bit more and just kind of went from there then I got to a point where I was able to take the leap and quit the job and just uh focus on the painting kind of go from there that must have been a very exciting day for you where you were like okay this is now how I'm going to define myself I'm going to get this yeah because I definitely wasn't at any point I wasn't you know making loads and loads of money or anything like that I was definitely a very very early stage but I just felt like I was I needed to focus 100% and I want I knew I wanted to commit to it and I had to take it seriously so yeah the hospital was gone and I was yeah. in my front room in my flat painting amazing and just trying my best to make it work and then fortunately it's it's been all right it's been more than all right but um, <laughs> if you google will rochford's work and you, I, you almost can't believe that someone's managed to paint these scenes and um i say that very genuinely and not just because i'm speaking to will right now um it's an incredibly distinctive style um people might be mistaken in thinking there's an element of kind of photorealism and I know you have thoughts on that so um yeah. I'd love you to describe your style for for the listeners are, the, are these scenes that you do these narratives yes yeah yeah the photo which are, there is always an element of realism that I'm trying to achieve mm. um but I'm I'm never trying to get photorealism I want there to I like it so that when you when you look at my paintings, you think, wow, that looks, that looks very real. But then when you get up close, you can see the brushwork. You can see the brush strokes. I use quite big brushes. I use square brushes. So the paint's actually quite, it's quite chunky. It's quite textured. I paint thinly in some areas and very thickly in others. So I'm never trying to give the illusion of a photograph. You know, for me, I never want, how do I say it? I never want the... I never want the reason for doing a painting to be to say, look how well I can paint. You know, I don't, I don't want that to, I want it to be that secondary. The technical side is secondary. I want to be able to say, I've got an amazing idea in my head. I want to get that on the canvas. I want to get the story across what the, the painting is of. And then secondary to that mm -hmm. is trying to get the technical side and make it look as real as I can make it look. Mm -hmm. um, I use quite contrasting lighting in my paintings. Mm -hmm. It's not very natural lighting. I use quite 
bold I think, isn't it? Like almost there's a chiaroscuro, is that the technical term for the kind yeah. of almost like the stage intense light and yeah. yeah, yeah, like film, you know, film lights. Everything's yeah. everything's a bit heightened, just yeah. slightly heightened. And sometimes I lean into that a little bit more, sometimes I lean away from it, depending on what the paintings of. I've done a couple of paintings of uh of murder mysteries of kind of whodunits. Oh, I love, I bet that works so well with your style. Oh, it's so much fun. But for those, I always try and lean into that, make them a bit more dramatic, a bit more stylized, you know, in the lighting, make it a bit stronger. But then other paintings I've done where they're quite, I suppose, quite sweet scenes, I suppose. And, and I always say, I, I just want to keep this a bit more natural, a bit yeah. more soft. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, in terms of, but my style, yeah, there is an element of realism, but it, when you get close, you can see that it's a painting. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that is the case. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to see your work and, and when you really look close, you, you can absolutely see the, um, the story, the process behind the painting. Um, but yes. then when you, when you zoom, but you can still immerse yourself. It's that realistic that you can still immerse yourself. And that's really the amazing balance of it, I suppose. Um, I want to talk a little bit about photography in your work because you describe your work as snapshots. Um, yes. And there's yes. such a cinematic um, element to your work. What is the relationship you have between photography and the painting side of things? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's difficult to answer. On a technical technical side, I do work from photographs. Mm -hmm. I work with a brilliant photographer, Adam Link. He, uh, we kind of got a partnership where he helps me light, set up, and light all my scenes. He knows the lighting that I like. He knows we're very similar, similar creatively. So he's brilliant to work with. But in terms of my paintings and there's definitely that cinematic influence. Yeah. Absolutely. I think all of my inspiration comes, well, most of my inspiration comes from films, comes from cinema. Do you kind of photograph the whole scene like, and then work from that? Or do you take separate photographs? Or, I mean, you mentioned Adam, who you work with. Does he yes. do that with you? Or? Yeah, he, so yeah, we do the whole thing together. So when I set up a painting, I will have, usually I'll keep the, I'll decide ahead of time how I want the painter to look, from what angle I want to photograph this scene, I want to set up and pose this scene. And so I'll have the camera set in one place and then I'll get everyone that has come to pose for me, I'll pose with my friends and family and I'll get them into the scene. And, they and, love I, can, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I can move them around, I can, I, can say to, I can say to my dad, dad just move over slightly, I can say to my wife, I can say just step in there and whoever, and I can, or I can move props. And because the camera's staying in that same place, it means that when I've taken all my shots and I take hundreds and hundreds of photos, mm -hmm. I'll go and I'll take the best one of Bill, the best one of Mike, the best one of the car, the best one of whatever prop I'm using. And then I'll combine them all and I'll do a sketch with all the best elements combined. But because I, I can do that because I keep the camera where it is. You also do paint a lot of kind of camera work and, and there's an influence from the 1950s and 60s in your work and the film yes. and you and you do paint people with cameras and with kind of yes. um, technology from that time as well so can you talk about why yes. that era? What, what that's so true yeah and that you're absolutely right I do paint I've done a whole series of paparazzi paintings of paparazzi from the 50s and 60s with the old cameras with the big flash bulbs mm -hmm. I love all of that and I, I I wish I could tell you why I love it, but I think it's just the way it looks. You know, it's similar to, you know, my paintings are always set around the 60s, 1960s. It used to be 1950s, but I'm slowly moving forward decade by decade. Um, I think that comes straight from Norman Rockwell, who's a painter that I absolutely love. I, yes. he's, my, he's my hero. He's the master. And uh, he was at his prime in 1940s and 50s in America. Mm -hmm. 
and he he did paint kind of an idealized version of it but he it was just his portrayal of it was so beautiful and 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 the the way he yeah exactly yeah the way he portrayed life in that time was so just so appealing to me but also i just love it because it 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 just seemed better (laughs) yes or or not simple simple is the wrong word but it seemed like a bit simpler a bit more in terms of the way you can portray it like i don't i don't want to paint someone with an iphone or with a you know with some earbuds in or something like that i just i like Mm. i like that ear i like the way things looked i like the way the colors and I think that's what it comes down to. I just like the way it looked. Um, so last year I did a series of paintings of people on the phone, but it was all in old fashioned phone booths with the old pay phones and the, you know, the old dial phones. And I had, I had a girl on the phone with the phone with the cord, you know, the, the springy cord coming away from it. And I don't know, I, I, every story I come up with, I, I apply it to that era. I also think that um, there's an element in your work of, of like connection, like, um, you know, the phones and the kind of there's this gambling season intimacy and yeah. also a romantic element as well to them, too. And, I, and putting that sort of 1960s filter on these scenarios really gives them a sense of like that sort of tangible movie, you know, Hollywood, um, yes. which is. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I suppose there's kind of a, an escapism uh nostalgia maybe um but i think setting them in a in a kind of bygone era helps with that escapism you can just just for a second you can just step into the painting enjoy what it's saying and and then come away how do you kind of go from the conception of an idea how do you get influenced and then how do you how does it come to fruition because it seems like a very there's a very long process in there where there must be so much going on yes yeah there really is i think the the best way to describe it is to sort of talk you through how I went about painting a painting in particular yeah. uh, a certain yeah. painting because they're all different so like some of my paintings it's just it it would it would just be one or two figures mm-hmm. and that's really nice because I have them into my studio or wherever we're posing it and then I'll light it and photograph it I'll build some props and it's very nice and relaxed and calm and, and I can just do it and, and not worry too much but if you take one of my bigger paintings so I did a painting of a ticker tape parade. Mm-hmm. I, did, I painted it about two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And that's still the most detailed painting that I've ever done. Um, and that, that was a huge amount of work. You know, the amount of planning that went into that was just, just went on forever and ever and ever. But it was, so I, I got, so like I said, I get a lot of my um, inspiration from films. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes from books that I'm reading, sometimes rarely, but sometimes from things that I see out and around. But mainly I watch too many films so it's it's it comes from that uh and I was watching a film called Hidden Figures and there's a two second scene in that film where there's a guy in the back of a car in a ticker tape parade you know and the sky's filled with confetti and I was watching it and I paused the film I sat up and said that's it that's the idea that's what I want to paint so it was like great it was brilliant like a like a lightning moment like you know when it happens yeah it was so excited i get so excited because suddenly you've got a direction suddenly you've got okay that's where i'm headed Mm -hmm. so then i sit down and i i scribble out an idea on a piece of paper and uh it's really loose and rough but it's it's for me to try and get the composition trying to get out what's in my head onto paper and get an idea of what I'm trying to achieve. And, and so for that one, I, I did a few different compositions. So it was from the side of the car, it was from above the car, it was from the front of the car. And I settled on this one angle 
but then that sketch I can use to show to the people that are going to be in the painting. And I can show to Adam, my photographer, I can say, this is what we're doing. You know, this is the idea. It's so much easier than me trying to describe what's in my head. You know, if I can show him this really quick, rough sketch and really good to show people on the day, I can point to my sketch and say, okay, you're this person and I want you to be doing this. You're this person. I want you to be doing that. So it gives people a bit more of an idea. <laughs> that particular, I want to, I want to make it clear as well. Like when, when you've actually, if you've seen this, this painting that Will's done, it, that it's so busy. There's so much going on, but everything is in yeah. intense detail. Um, but yeah, so that I just yeah. wanted to give context. To no, yeah. Guys it, it really, there were so many people in this image. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was so busy. And so, so with that one, then I needed, so I needed first to book Adam because he's really busy in his own right. So I need to book a day that he can make. Then I need to start booking the people to be in the painting. So I've got all my usual crowd that I get in, but then I, I needed lots of people for this one. So I booked in lots of new people. It's like I say, just friends, family, people that I phone up and say, would you like to be in a painting? And they say, Oh, I don't know. But then they, they usually up for it. So they come along and then I needed a, I needed a car. So I put out my feelers on, social media on Facebook and Instagram and I, and I go out on my website, my marketing, my, my mailing list. And I say, I need an old classic car convertible. And I had so many offers of people offering their beautiful, amazing cars. And I settled on this red Cadillac cause I'd used it before and it's a really amazing car. And then I needed, uh, I needed, I needed some motorbikes that look like 1960s NYPD police bikes, which in the new forest, <laughs> Hard to come by, yeah, hard to come by. So uh, in the end, I found a bike that looked a bit like the Harleys they, they rode, and I used one of those. I needed horses, but my studio's on a farm, so that wasn't a problem. That's okay. We had horses. And so then once everything's in place, and I, I had, there were paparazzi in the painting, so I had to build some, I built lots of props out of cardboard. So I had to build some cardboard cameras. I don't think I had to build anything else for this one, but so when everything's, finally in place I sit down and I it's almost like a like a running order and I'll I'll write out I'll put write down everyone's name and I'll write down next to it what everyone's doing and so I can show it to them just so I because I'm so aware I'm so aware that on the day all these people have turned up to be in my painting I'm so grateful I don't want to be wasting their time at all so I don't want to be you know hanging around and 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 faffing about on the night I like to turn up knowing exactly what I'm doing so then on the night we all turned up we had we had to photograph the horses first because they wouldn't have liked the noise of the bikes then we had to bring in the car yeah and then we had to bring in the so the car sat in place and again like I said I've got the camera set up in one position we brought the bike in but I needed three bikes in the painting so we had to shoot the bike there move it around shoot it over there move it again photograph it over there and then I needed so I had my my uh, paparazzi there as well with their cameras and then I the crowd around the car I had a group of about eight or nine people and I got them to stand in groups with their flags and then I photographed them then I moved them we photographed them again moved them moved them moved them and I keep so I can sort of patch it all together at the end and all this time I've got my three guys in the back of the, the Cadillac pretending to wave at people in skyscrapers because the painting's set in New York so they're the whole time just waving up um and I've got security guards and policemen. I had people dressed as policemen. It was, it was great fun. And then when it's all done, we move the car out of the way and we move the bike out of the way. And I keep the security guards where they were because they were positioned around the car. And we had confetti cannons that we set off. And so I got photographic reference of 
confetti when it's falling in the sky. So all these elements and then that's it. And then I say, thanks very much. Everybody goes. And I, I sit down the next day and I go through hundreds and hundreds of photos and I pick the best one. So the, yeah, like I say, the best one of that person, the best one of the car, the best one of the horse, <clears throat> the best one of the person on the horse. And I'll combine the two and then I'll do a, a, a compositional sketch a small version of the whole pitch, just taking the best elements, I'll put it all together in one composition and I'll sketch in Fifth Avenue from New York in the background. And once I'm happy, and I'll play around with that for days and days, sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it drags on, but I'll just, until I'm happy. And then once I've done that, I will get my canvas ready. So I haven't even gone to canvas yet. I've just been sketching the whole time. Sometimes I do a color study as well. It doesn't surprise me because when you see your work, you, you, you would expect them to take years and years and years. So when you're saying a couple of days, actually for me, yeah. that is very surprisingly like quick. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, then I, then, um, so yeah, then I go to canvas and I'll draw, I'll do the old, the old method of I'll draw a grid over my small sketch and a grid over the canvas. And then I'll sketch it in, in charcoal mm-hmm. and I seal it in with fixative. Then I put a, acrylic base over the top in brown and raw amber and then I start painting with my oils why yes. that color do you mind me asking raw amber well yeah yeah um I get asked that a lot actually yeah they it's it gives a nice warmth to the paint yeah. so it's a nice very earthy color and it gives a nice warmth to skin tones yeah. um but and it suits the palette of colors that I use but also when I paint I'm quite um I miss loads of little bits I'm quite loose yeah which you probably wouldn't think when you look at my work, I am quite loose. So there's all these little parts of the canvas that I miss. So if I left the canvas white, all those little bits would shine out at you like a, like a starry sky, you know? So Mm -hmm. by painting the canvas brown, any bits that I miss, they look, it just blends in. Your process is incredibly um, thorough and you sound like a, uh, a director on the set. And I imagine it is very much like that when you're literally yes. directing your props around and you're saying like, this is, this is the vision. I know what, I know what it's going to look like and this needs to happen. And, and like, it is like yes. in a film. People that's so true. Yeah, no, that's so true. And it, it's funny because I hate public speaking or anything like that. So <laughs> to stand in front of all these people and have them looking at me, is uh is not my most comfortable place to be so I've, I've taken to kind of i don't go i don't speak in front of everyone now i go to everyone individually and i say so can you just move here and move there so i don't have the megaphone you know at the back of the behind the camera just yet but it is exactly like that i do see it as i'm i'm kind of director and this is my scene and i'm just trying to capture you know what what i want to achieve will's work does look like you are literally privy to a kind of intense moment in in a kind of really an impactful scene as it were um story is always an absolutely story stories at the at the, the forefront of it but i'm always trying to just push it back just slightly now just leave them more open to interpretation yeah. and yeah you mentioned the typewriter that was from a uh, a book i was reading about the chateau marmont in hollywood and it's got this amazing history with hollywood with films and there was a story in there about how billy wilder wrote the screenplay to sunset boulevard in one yeah. of the rooms yeah I just, I just read that and i similar with the film pausing the film i just put the book down and i just thought that's it that's that's what i yeah. want to paint and so we posed it the guy in that painting is adam is my photographer we just me and him went to a hotel that's near us and uh we set up in one of the rooms he was sat at a desk i had the old typewriter and it's got a big neon sign outside the window that i it wasn't there in real life i painted that in to give the idea that they're in this hotel 
and it's just a man sat at a typewriter and he's reading what he's written and that's all you need really that's you don't need anything else you know you, you just that that's enough story as it is rather than trying to force it down the throat and say this is a screenwriter he's writing this particular film rather than doing that just say okay this is the writer yeah and he's sad. so is he struggling is he is he succeeding is i like there to be that just it, leave it open to interpretation a little bit yeah yeah i think you don't have to be you don't have to be overly literal with art because the beauty of it is to interpret what's happening and that that's what people love about it because they're like oh what's going on and you'll never get bored yeah. of something that you don't have the answers to do you know what i mean you're constantly yeah. Yeah. experiencing it in a different way and, and i think that's uh, that speaks a lot to the way that you work and and you know and you've described it incredibly well there i mean but yeah, I was, I guess I was going to say, um, I'm a very impatient person. And so when I look at your work, I think, God, does that not, does that not test the bounds of, of your patience? Like, I mean, cause you're doing your, your kind of, it's very structured approach to painting. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I find that really interesting. Can you talk a bit more about, about that? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a very impatient person as well. Very, yeah. very impatient. Yeah. Especially with my painting. Yeah. Especially. So I, I'm completely self-taught and I've found a method where I can be very economical with the paint and I can capture what I'm trying to capture as quick as I can. Generally, yeah. I'm quite impatient and I like, to, I, like to have, I like to have the next painting set up and ready to go for when yeah. I finish the current one. You're like, like, you can't sit still. I think that might be like, yeah. not yeah. physically, like you physically are sitting still, but your mind is <laughs> like creative. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always, I hate, I hate that. I used to call it being in between paintings. I hate that yeah. bit where you just, I'm just floating around trying to come up with a new idea. So I like yeah. to, especially like you say, where there is sometimes quite a lot of planning mm -hmm. and I have to, I have to be quite structured and I have to book all these people in. So I don't want to have finished one painting and then spend weeks waiting to be able to start the next one. I like to be ready to go straight into the next one. Yeah, it doesn't absolutely. always work like that, but I try my best. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I think it might be surprising for some listeners to hear that um, that us us creative people can be really quite structured and disciplined and organised and things. I think yeah. an element of people think like, "Oh, woo, artists, we just do what we want." And yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, okay. I guess I would like to know as well what you hope that. I mean, we've sort of answered this, but what you hope that people that view your work, experience your work, will will take. From it what's what's the kind of aim of the game yeah i th i think it's i think it's escapism mm -hmm. i think that's what i want to try and offer because I'm, I'm not ever trying to put a message in my paintings or a statement or anything like that it's mm -hmm. it's there's always a story but it's just somewhere just to get lost in just for a little bit mm -hmm. and i like that with rockwell's work i like that you can look at it a hundred times and you'll still see something new every time I try, I don't, I don't think I succeed anywhere near as well as he did, but I try and have that where you can, you can have, you can look at the paintings and just take something away from it every single time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you do achieve it. I'm going to say that uh, for you. And speaking of viewing your paintings and seeing something different, where can listeners go to find out about you, about your work, see your work in the flesh, perhaps even maybe where, where, where can people go to find uh, you? Online, I have my website, which is williamrochfort.com. And then I have my Instagram, which is at Will Rochefort Art, which is confusing. So Will Rochefort Art and then WilliamRochefort.com. Okay. Uh, Instagram is the best place. I try and update my Instagram every day. So uh, that's the best place to see what I'm up to. 
Amazing. And that is spelled uh, obviously Will and then R-O-C-H-F-O-R-T. So that's right. Yes. Yeah. Definitely go and check out Will's work. It's phenomenal. You really have to see it and it will give some amazing context. Hopefully you had a quick Google while we've been talking um, and you can see it because it gives amazing context what we're talking about. Um, But Will, thank you so much for talking to me today. No, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Have you Googled? I hope you've Googled. Google his work right now. You you, you really do have to see these scenes we're talking about and, and you'll be like, wait, what? That's a photograph. No, it's not a photograph. Guys, it's real. He did it. It's incredible. Will's actually got some really exciting collaborations coming up in the UK and the US um, with different galleries, very um, prestigious galleries. So definitely look out for his work. Um, and thank you so much for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. To contact the show, if you want to speak to me you can uh, visit Anna Gammons Art on Instagram you can send me a message or you can visit the Facebook site at the Art Then and Now show and uh, I want to take this time again to thank the NHS workers and the essential workers are keeping us safe still thank you so much for listening see you next week on Resonance 104.4 FM at 3.30 bye <laughs>